All right, we are starting a new series, just two weeks long, so all of you are like, oh, I hate it when they talk about money in church, just one more week. But actually, you know, last Sunday was really heavy, um, and if you missed it, you can go online, bridgewater.church, and, and watch. We're talking about answering the question, should I watch that? And um, I think important things that we need to talk about, because nobody else is talking about these kinds of very few places will you hear um, a good answer to that question in our world today. Um, but today is really a much lighter kind of, of message. So, um, so just to prepare you for that. And I do want to mention, um, found out a little bit over a week ago that there is a new church coming to town. And so that, that is actually good news. I went to the open house uh, for it last Sunday. It's going to be meeting at the, the movie theater in, in town. Uh, it's an extension site of Two Rivers Church from Johnson City. And uh, met with the pastor there and his wife. And they are, seem like genuine people who love the Lord and love people. And so this is why this is good news. I have been praying for years that God would bring more good churches to Susquehanna County. There are 40,000 plus people in Susquehanna County. How many churches do you know in Susquehanna County that teach God's Word, that love God, that love people? I mean, there's, there's a lot, but I mean, 10, 50? You know, if we had 200 churches in Susquehanna County that taught God's Word and they had a hundred people in them each, that would still be only half the county. Like, and we don't have 200. We don't have a hundred. We don't even have 50. And so I, we, we need to now, it's a, an Assembly of God church, so they have some different doctrinal things, but, but in general, they, they believe this word. They believe all of it, and they teach it. And, and so we need, we need to understand and just have a mindset. You know, this is not competition. This is brothers moving, moving into town. And, and, be, and one of the great things about being a part of, of Bridgewater is, is that it's not just Bridgewater. God is working in, in churches all over the world, including in Montrose. And, and so when you join the movement, you're not joining the Bridgewater movement, you're joining God's movement. And that's, that's what we need to focus on. And that's what we need to get excited about. And that's what we need to pray for. So if you meet one of these guys that's, that's helping start that church, man, you need to say, man, I am praying for you. And I hope you're not lying when you say that. Like, I am excited. Please don't lie. Just say, I am, my pastor is praying for you. <laughs> I can, and I forgot all about it, but... You know, anyway, um, it's good. So today, though, we're going to talk about money and, and this, this thing, money and happiness. There is a connection between money and happiness, but a lot of the connection is something that we miss and that we don't really understand. And so we're going to look into the uncommon, common sense of God's Word that talks about how money and happiness collide and come together in our own lives. Because there's so many people, you see... Happiness is something that most people spend most of their lives running away from, running away from happiness. Happiness is this way. Most people are running in that direction. Why? Because it's not that Satan's whispering in your ear like, go this way. No, he doesn't have to do that. He has created, through, through millions of people, he's created systems that point everyone toward, I can't remember which way real happiness is. 
But it points everyone toward real happiness is this way when, when it's actually the other way. In fact, case in point, John My, My, Mayer, I don't know how to say his name, John Mayer, he looks real thrilled there. He looks high, actually. John Mayer, um, famous guy, incredible guitarist, musician. He wrote and performed a half dozen songs that were top 20 on the charts, including Waiting on the World to Change, if you've heard that song. His second album went number one, selling over 300,000 copies in one week. He's been romantically involved with Taylor Swift right there, as well as Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jessica Simpson. Incidentally, Jessica Simpson is not related to Bart, so <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, Minka Kelly, Jennifer Aniston, Katy Perry, basically, I mean, you, you have a who's who list of actresses and musicians, and, and he's been involved. He's worth tens of millions of dollars, but this is what he wrote in a song called Something's Missing. He wrote, I'm not alone. I wish I was, because then I'd know I was down because I couldn't find a friend around to love me like they do right now. I'm dizzy from the shopping malls. That dates the song a little bit. I searched for joy, but I bought it all. It doesn't help the hunger pains and a thirst I'd have to drown first to ever satiate. Something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is at all. Friends, check. Money, check. A well-slept, check. Opposite sex, check. Guitar, check. Microphone, check. Messages waiting for me when I come home, check. Something's missing. You see, he has been told, like almost everyone in our world, that, that happiness is this way. And if you get money, and if you get famous, and if you get rich, and if you get the girls, and if you get friends, and if you get all this stuff, then you'll be happy. And he's saying, no. He's talking with a man here in this church a few weeks ago about everyone has a God-sized hole in your heart, and you can try to fill it with all sorts of things, and it just isn't gonna... Mm. And he talks about that in this way. There's a thirst that, that I'd have to drown, I'd have to die. To, I just, I have this thirst and I keep trying to fill it. I wish I was alone because then I'd know my problem was I need friends. But I got friends and it doesn't matter. And so what, what we're talking about today is this idea in American culture that more is always better. The title of the sermon today is The Happiness of Less. Because we think, you know, if one dollar is good, two dollars is better. If one car is good, two cars is better. If one brownie is good, two pans of brownies. <laughs> it's not, you know, we know like there is a point where, where there is too much of a good thing. And, and we just need to recognize that happiness actually comes from wanting less. This is one of the less that, that will bring you happiness the blessing of less. And, and here's how it says it in Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book written by Solomon. You read it, it's very depressing. Eleven chapters of I Tried Fame. That it, Eleven chapters of, of John Mayer, basically, you know, and his life. I tried riches. I tried entertainment. I tried uh, accomplishment and building things. I, I tried relationships and I, I tried it all. And nothing matters, nothing works, nothing satisfies. 
And then at the very end, he says, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So if when you leave God out of the equation, Ecclesiastes is saying nothing matters. But if you put God into the equation, it flips around and everything matters. That's why 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Everything matters if, if God is real. And, and that's why he wants our life. He doesn't want our Sundays. He doesn't want 10% of our money. He wants everything. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your life. And so anyway, Ecclesiastes 4, though, is talking about this connection between, you know, is more better? And I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What do we really need? We need a warm place that's about this wide and about that long to sleep in. We need about this much food every day, and that's about it right? We need clothes. We need water. And that, that's all we need. And so much of, of everything in our lives is, is this um, envy of another. Now, if I were to ask you, how many of you are envious right now? How many of you struggle with envy? I would think not very many would be like, well, I don't struggle with envy. I mean, that's like coveting. That's like the 10th commandment. That's bad. But if I were to ask, in fact, I think I will ask you this. How many of you want something that you don't have right now? Raise your hand. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe it's, it's, it's an item. Okay, and some of you are like, I am never raising my hands in church. <laughs> You're not getting me that easy. You know, but I, I would think all of us, envy and wanting what we don't have is more American than baseball and apple pie. Because I've met Americans that don't like baseball. I know awful. And I've met very few, but a few people who don't like apple pie, but I've never met anyone in America, and really this is a human condition, that doesn't want something that they don't have. And, and so here's the first thing we need to realize. Happiness comes from wanting less. Wanting less. And so, so we need to think about if that's where happiness is, where do I go that feeds unhappiness and discontent and, and this unfilled longing. I mean, is that, is that social media where you're scrolling through and like, yep, George went to New Zealand again, you know, or you're looking, yeah, oh yeah, look at that brisket. Wasn't there, was I? Oh, like, oh, I should have been there, manly meal. You know, or you just scroll, scroll, th- or maybe it's, it's, you know, this is the thing. People take short holidays just to go shopping. I hate shopping, so this is not, my, although I love auctions. Man, don't put me in an auction where there's, you know, tools and, you know, stuff that you bid on. I bought a bike that I didn't even want, you know. I just thought for sure someone would bid higher than that. But, you know, so... So what do you do, what do you do that feeds your discontent? Stop it. Stop it. Why do we do that? Why do we engage ourselves in activities that make us unhappy? You know, and and so, you know, sometimes what feeds your unhappiness maybe is another person. Well, you can't cut people out of your life necessarily. That's not a good thing. But to focus on what do I have instead of focusing on what I don't have. And um, 
And because happiness comes from wanting less. And here's a byproduct of wanting less. Less envy, less wanting of more leads to less debt. There are three things that drive all debt in the United States, I think. And if I'm wrong, tell me afterward, okay? Tell me what the fourth thing is. All debt in the United States comes from three things. Okay, number one, um, bad health. Okay, people who get sick are two things. It can destroy their income. They might not be able to work because they're so sick. And then it also destroys any savings they might have because of all the appointments and doctors and medicine and all of that. So sickness can drive debt. The other two things that drive debt is laziness and coveting or envy. Okay, and for most people, most people who are in debt in the United States, the problem isn't that they're lazy. Man, we are working, you're working two jobs, you're, 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 you got the side hustle, you're, you're married, your spouse is working, like, like, man, you are working, you are not lazy, you are so, and yet you're in debt, why? Because there's stuff you want and you want it now. You wanted it yesterday and you're not putting away savings and stuff and, and, and this, this drives unhappiness. What would it be like? Okay, if you're here today and you owed nothing, what would your life be like? Would you be less happy with no debt? Or would you be more happy? And so at, at the root of this for a lot of people is this, is this envy thing. Now, you can, you can have no debt and still be a very envious, coveting person, okay? That's not, but, but many times that is what, and it's a byproduct. So if we can get this, if we can understand how we can be content. It'll, it'll produce happiness in multiple different ways in our lives. And so it says, I saw the toil spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. So he says, so the solution to this is not laziness. Okay, so people are running around to, to, to pay for stuff and, and get more. And he says, the solution is not laziness. That, that's, that's ruin as well. Here's the solution. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. One handful with tranquility. When I read that verse, it just reminds me, makes me think of a little kid trying to hoard all the toys and keep them from the other kids, Right? You've seen that happen, and they're like, they're, you know, they're like, Ev everything is mine, right? And are they happy? No, not usually, because they're so busy keeping the other kids from their toys. And then, but then there's this other little boy in the corner. He doesn't even have a toy. He just found somebody's shoe, you know, and he's like, and he's having a blast. Why? Because he has one handful with tranquility. And it's better than two handfuls in a chasing of the wind, after the wind. Um, we need to realize in our lives that this principle and how important it is. And so here's the question. How do you get one handful with peace? How do you do that? How do you live that way? It's kind of obvious. You just got to empty the other hand. And, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we'll talk about it more next week. That, that statement of Jesus in the bumper video, you know, it is better to give than to receive. There is a joy in doing that. I want to mention next Sunday, actually, we, we got a special offering um, that, that, um, called Vision 2022. 
Um, we're very predictable. Next year, we have a fall offering, and guess what it'll be called? Vision 2023. All right, so, but this year, we want to try to raise $500,000. The bulk of it is going $400,000 toward um, a, a new building for Tunkanic. They're outgrowing their old building. They're doing three services. They're seeing people get saved and lives changed. And, and the goal with this new building is that this to be it for them so that when they get to a certain size, like we have here in Montrose, we hit a certain size and we say, let's send 50, 75 people away. But, but if you only have like 150 people, it's hard to send 75 away and not, and not break it, right? Um, and so this is our goal for Tunkanic, $400,000 to build a new building for them so that they can continue to make disciples and multiply. And uh, the other $50,000 is for ministry interns. We want to be a pastor manufacturing plant. Okay, there's so many, even in this area, there's pastors from South Korea, there's pastors from India, and things like that. Why? Because Americans don't want to go into pastoral ministry. We want to reverse that. We want to we raise up an army of men who want to be pastors and want to serve God with their lives and, and help them to do that. And so that's part of the, the 50000 to do that next year, bring some more interns on, and then 50000 to start a new campus, and we don't know where that is. So already, if you've read this, people have been giving. Over $110,000 has been is, has come in already. In addition to that, another 100000 has been committed by some, some people that, you know, have been able to make some bigger gifts. And so we just want to challenge, man, 290000 sounds like a crazy amount, but just what would God want you to give? And, and getting back to, to the verses here, um, the Bible doesn't say you need to give money to Bridgewater and then you'll be happy. Okay, that's not in the Bible. But what it does say is better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. And so we need to learn how to let go what's in that other hand. I was talking to a man this morning about a particular ministry that he really cares a lot about. And, 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 and just that, that's great that he gives to that ministry. That's awesome. The other man that was in the conversation, his wife is in Liberia right now, and they support and financial some other ministries with kids there, and, and maybe, you, you know, Food for the Hungry, you know, we, we have child sponsorships, and if you're watching online now, you can hit pause and go over to, to bridgewater.church slash outreach, and you can sponsor a child for, I think it's $35 a month, $38 a month, yeah, so... Um, let, let go what's in that other hand. So happiness comes from wanting less. Uh, happiness also comes from keeping less. And this is kind of a, I think it's a fun one to talk about, but Ecclesiastes goes on in the next chapter to say, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Ever think about that? The sleep of the laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. The more stuff you have, the more time it takes to take care of it, right? And, and our country, in America, is just amazing, our stuff. Okay, in the 1950s, we consumed half the materials and things that we consume now. 
So we consume twice as much as we did in 1950. Not only that, but our house size is twice, over twice that. And the average house size in the early 1950s was 1,000 square feet. Today, it's 2,350 square feet. And, and the funny thing is about that is household size is half. So that means per person, we have over four times as much square footage in our homes today than, than Americans did in the early 1950s. Four times as much. And what does that mean? It means we need storage units. <laughs> because four times isn't enough. Were there storage units back in the 1950s? Not like today, man. They're everywhere. Why? Because, because four times as much isn't enough for our stuff. We need storage units. And I swear, I don't think I've heard of a barn being built for cows in the last 10 years. What do we build barns for? Stuff. Yeah. And, or, or wedding venues, apparently. So, but, and, and so their abundance permits them no sleep. Mess plus success equals stress. I've seen this even in my children's lives. Too much stuff. This is something that we used to do when they were younger and they had lots of toys. We would take some of their toys and we'd put them up in the attic. And so, be, because when they had all their toys, especially if you have multiple kids, the toys just start to accumulate to the next child. So, our fourth child has so many more toys. I apologize to Karis, our oldest. She did not have the toys because Karis's toys get handed down to Amber, and Amber's toys get handed down to Ryan, and Ryan's toys get, and some of them don't cross over from girl to boy, but Legos are forever, you know. Um, you know, and so, so we would put toys up in the attic, and so every so often we would go up to the attic, and it would be like new toys again. But you can't take toys down in the attic unless you do what? You got to put new other ones up because cleaning their room was this nightmare because they had too much stuff. Mess and excess equals stress. In fact, I have a son. I won't tell you which one. I almost want to, but it doesn't matter. There's clothes on his floor constantly, right? Clothes hanging out of his drawers. You know why? Well, one of them is because he's messy, but... The other reason why is they don't fit in his drawers, right? You have to fold them perfectly like mom. I can't even fold clothes like that, like to make them all fit in his drawers. And so one of the things I've told him is, and he's like, well, mom just keeps getting me stuff. She works at Interfaith. She sees deals. Yes, I know. <laughs> but you get rid of it. Just put them outside your door, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get rid of it. I know there's stuff you don't wear, you don't want. It takes time to go through it, but then it's so much easier. And so here, here's some, a bunch of things. Joshua Becker wrote a book, The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. Man, if I could write a book, I would title it that. That's awesome. Here's some of the things he mentioned about decluttering your life. And getting rid of stuff. Because here's one of the applications I want all of us to do. And I'm not all there. Okay, so, but I threw away 22 things preparing for this message. I got 78 more to do. I, I want to challenge all of you to throw away 100 things. Just get, give away. Give away or throw away 100 things. Some of you, it needs to be 1,000. In fact, the average home, I don't know what this means. I don't know how they find this out. The average American home has 300,000 items. 
right? I mean, you're counting every spoon, right? Maybe they're counting every staple. I, I don't know how you get to 300,000. But the truth is, as I looked around my house, knowing I'm going to preach the sermon, I looked and, and you know what? Most of them were bought one at a time. Got bookshelves. I actually went through my house this morning and I counted how many shirts I own. Okay, I'm wearing two right now. Okay, this is sweatshirts, sweaters, hoodies, t-shirts, undershirts, dress shirts. How many shirts? Didn't count jackets. 100 shirts. I, I, I'm going to put this on social media and dare anyone to be honest and beat that because I know, I know compared to some of you, man, but isn't that crazy? I could wear a different shirt every Sunday from now until, do the math, yeah, two years from now, just about, almost. I'm sure I could because by then I'm sure I've picked up a couple more. So, and nobody wants me up here with a white t-shirt on, undershirt, but anyway, let so, so there, there's so much stuff. Less distraction. Less stuff is less distraction. Um, if you struggle with ADD or, I, I mean, you just got with, with stuff everywhere, it is just, it is a burden in the back of your head. Less distraction. Less environmental impact. If you care about the environment, the, the best way is to just consume less. People think consume differently. So much of the environmental movie, movement is a hustle. It's, it's, it's a lie. Electric cars are no better for the environment than gasoline-powered cars. Because guess where electric cars come from? Mining. In fact, we're in Susquehanna County. We have mines and we have gas wells. Which looks worse and is, would you guess is worse for the environment? Mining. Have you seen, the, you know, stone quarries? I love, I, I just have sidewalks of, of bluestone, all right? It's great stuff, but you talk about environmental impact, you know, basically the best way, and windmills and, and solar cells, where, where, do you, where do you get solar panels from? Mining metal and plastics, which comes from oil. And then after 10 years, they don't work so good, and you got to throw them in a garbage dump. So the whole, the whole environmental stuff is all a, a scam. But if you really care about the environment, the, the best way is not to have a private jet and go around and speak about the environment. The best way to have less environmental impact is actually to spend less stuff and buy less stuff and use up less stuff. Less comparison. My apologies to the Joneses. But if you don't want to keep up with the Joneses, nobody talks about keeping up with the Cadlesics. You don't want to keep up with the Joneses. Your goal needs to be one hand with tranquility. And if your goal is one hand with tranquility, some of you, man, did you see that new side-by-side? -side? Did you see that new rifle? Did you see the hunt that he went on? Did you, see, did you see that outfit? Did you see that kitchen appliance or whatever? Did you see that, that house that they have? Did you see the, you know, that car? You're like, no, one hand with tranquility. That's, that's the goal I have. I'm getting out of this comparison trap goal. Um, less work for someone else. If you are over 60, listen up. I'm, I'm approaching there myself. Your stuff will be a burden to your children. How many times have you seen a neighbor pass away and what's the first thing that shows up? A dumpster. 
And here's part of that, is you might say, well, I have good stuff. Okay, then it'll be a fire sale. <laughs> or maybe just a fire. <laughs> I mean, I've talked to kids that go through this and they say, you know what, I miss my mom. I miss my dad. Going through their stuff is so painful. I just don't want to do it. I'm just, just, just get somebody else in here, just, just take it all away. In fact, I went to see a, a friend of mine. I didn't realize she had had cancer. She, you know, we'd lost touch, obviously. She lives up in New York. And a friend of hers called me and said, she's not doing well. So I drove up to see her. And I left with two potted plants. Because she loved plants. And she had like a hundred at least plants. You know, she had a sunroom and in every room. And she had garden outside. And she just, just, just loved plants. And Anyone and everyone who went to visit her in the last year of their life got two to take home every time they came because she knew. I mean, if my mom and dad pass away and my mom's got a hundred potted plants, what am I going to do? They're all going in the trash. I might keep two, right? And, and so your kids will bless you. If you're over 60, start, and, and, and 60, because by the time you're 80, then, you know, your, your strength is harder to get, just, just, just get to it. My mom, I was in my 40s, and my mom showed up with two, two boxes. Here's some of your stuff from high school. <laughs> I didn't know I had it. One was a box of trophies. I kept that for a little while and then threw them all away. You know, like, like we just, less work for someone else. They will bless you. Your kids will bless you. And if they want your stuff, give it to them. You know, more contentment, right? Um, we think we can fix discontentment by getting the things that we want. If I just get what I want, then I'll be content because I'll have it. But really, if you want more contentment, you need to go on a stuff diet, right? Because it doesn't work that way with food, right? If I just eat another, if I just eat all the brownies, then I can go on a diet, no, the more you eat, the greater your appetite becomes. The more stuff you accumulate, the more your appetite becomes for even more stuff. And, and so contentment, more contentment, more freedom. Um, stuff, moving, I think everyone should move every 10 years, right? I, I would hate to move again, you know, but every time you move, you realize... The last time I moved, I never unpacked these boxes. <laughs> Why do we still have them? More freedom. And then finally, more time for what's important. Um, when we lived up in Johnson City, we had like a tenth of an acre. Well, this little house, EJ home, had a pear tree in the backyard. Uh, I could probably have mowed the lawn with a weed whacker in less time than it takes me to mow now. So we moved down here, and now we have about three-quarters of an acre. I like it. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trade that. I, I'm just saying more stuff takes more time. And so, you know, I couldn't do three-quarters of an acre with a push mower. I mean, you could, but it'd be a great exercise program. So we got a riding mower. So I have a push mower and a riding mower. I needed a weed whacker. Up at their old house, I used scissors <laughs> it was just not much. It didn't take long. Why buy a weed whacker? So I got a weed whacker and a wheelbarrow and all, you know, and, and so now I need a shed to store my stuff in. And, and it just, 
more stuff takes more time. And if you scale back, it gives you more time for what's really important. You know, so, so often as dads, we're so busy taking care of stuff that we're not able to spend time taking care of, of the people we love. And um, th this is where the connection between money and happiness, understanding. It's not by accumulating more. It's by drawing a line. And some of you young people here today, um, typically your, your biggest earning um, time in your life is in your 40s and 50s. It's when you earn the most money, especially in their, your 50s. That's not true of everyone. But, and if you can just draw a line and say, this is enough, and, and I am happy with this, and you make twice as much money, doesn't matter. I am happy living at this level with, with what I have and, and, and just being content. That, that, that's where real happiness comes from. That's what I want. This is what God wants for all of us here. He's saying, man, happiness is in this direction. Stop running that way. And ultimately, it's found in um, following Jesus Christ and, and giving him your life. Do you want to run toward happiness or run away? Clear out as if your life depends on it because the quality of your life actually does depend on it. Um, hundred things. Take me up on that challenge. Throw away a hundred things. Maybe we could have a contest. We should. Like next week, who threw away the most things, okay, in like a hundred paper clips? That doesn't count, all right? Got to be like real things. Who threw away the most or, or gave away? Maybe it's valuable, right? Most of it isn't. But all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word, I, I thank you that we can trust you, that you love us, you're smart, you know how life works. Thank you for putting stuff down in your word to point us in the right direction. And God, thank you that we can trust you. Help us to trust you with our stuff, uh, to realize that that more isn't where happiness is found. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we would be a church with just one handful and tranquility. And God, as, as I look at what's happening as what's happening globally and in our nation's economy. Lord, I just see trouble ahead. Lord, help us as individuals to get our financial houses in order so that when hard times hit, we'll be able to open our hands and help our neighbors and help those around us um, because, because we're ready and uh, because we're following you. God, just... Just give us contentment. Bless us with less. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.